Well, good afternoon. I'd like to take your Bibles out and open them up to the book of Proverbs. We'll be reading there in just a moment. I want to speak a little bit this afternoon, as I, as I said this morning, about some, uh, some issues that as, as Christians, as, as humans, we deal with on uh, a regular basis. And if anything that I said this morning or anything I say this afternoon feels like Maybe I'm directing this lesson towards you. I just want you to know two things. Number one, uh, as I said this morning, these lessons have been uh, very therapeutic almost for me. They're directed towards me. So number one, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at myself. And number two, if you do feel like I'm speaking to you, just know that you're not alone, that you are going through this with others. You are going through these issues with others. And, and we all work together to try and glorify God despite some of the things that, that happen in our lives. I want to speak in just a moment uh, from Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29 and verse 22. We'll be reading from there in just a second if you'd like to turn your Bibles there. Proverbs 29 and verse 22. Uh, before I read that, I want to tell you a story about a man named Marcus Licinius Crassus. This is a man who lived around 100 B.C., and he developed the concept of what we now call firefighting. Uh, but what he had developed was far from the norm that we see today. You see, in this time in, in Rome, when a fire broke out at somebody's uh, place of residence, maybe or a, a, a farm or, or somewhere in the city, a fire broke out, uh, they recognized the need that we need to do something about this. And so Marcus would, would rally his group of men and they would rush to the scene. Uh, that sounds a little bit like what we see today with modern day firefighting. But what happened next is far from what we would expect or, or even deem ethical. You see, as they arrived on the scene, uh, they would begin to negotiate a price. Um, and Marcus would haggle with the owner of the property. If you will pay me what I want, I'll put the fire out. But if not... We're going to stand back and we're going to watch it burn. And that's exactly what would happen. If they would agree, they would begin to throw buckets of water on the fire and try to suppress it. But if not, they would stand back and as the structures uh, around burned down, um, Marcus would begin to do something else. And that is to haggle now with the price that he could purchase this land for, knowing that it now is worth a fraction of what it had been when the property had, had structures on it, he would begin to try to buy it at a cheaper value. Doesn't sound a whole lot unlike our reading uh, this, this afternoon with, with Naboth's Vineyard. Uh, so so we, we see that this was something that we would look at today and say, that is very wrong. Uh, and I want to note that I'm extremely thankful that things have shifted uh, to that we have firefighters and as we uh, were, were thankful for this morning, EMS uh, medical service providers to help us in times of emergency. I'm thankful for our police officers and our linemen and, and so many people that make this uh, make, make our society so much better than, than that. In fact, when we think about firefighters, one of the things that they're trained to do is to recognize the importance of acting quickly. Whenever they are trained, when it comes to fires, they notice that there is a great danger in letting things wait. When there is a fire that is, that is broken out somewhere, they are, they are trained to have quick response times. And I want you to think just for a moment what it would be like without that. If you were to wake up one night and smell smoke and realize there's a fire in your house and you jumped and dialed 911, and on the other line when the, when the uh, re respondent answered, they said, well, 
what do you need? And you say, there's a fire in my house. And they said, okay, you keep an eye on it because we're right in the middle of a rook game. And as soon as this rook game's over, we're going to be there to, to do something about that fire. You know, maybe firefighter Jim, he's built this, he, he's made this great pot of chili and everybody's right in the middle of dinner. When we get done eating that, we're going to come, we're going to take care of your fire. I think all of us would respond the same way to that. Uh, no, I want you to drop everything and come put this fire out. This is dangerous. I don't want this to get worse. I don't want my house to burn down. I certainly don't want anybody else's house to burn down. So please do something about that. But do we take that same mentality when it comes to responding to the flames of anger that might grow up in our lives, which do grow similarly out of control and similarly consume our lives and leave a trail of destruction behind them. How do we battle that? That's what I want to talk about this afternoon. Defeating anger and battling anger in our lives. Number one, I think it helps us to describe and know a little bit about anger because anger is it's an irritable emotion, but it has different levels, just like sometimes a fire has different levels as well. There is indignation that is used, uh, the word indignation used to describe anger at times. It's kind of like a slow, simmering anger. And it's often provoked whenever you feel like something wrong has happened and you feel justified in responding to that. You know, there's several ways that we can think about this, but the way that just comes to me naturally, the times that I feel most angered is when I'm behind the wheel and when I'm driving. And so that's the way I wanted to try to describe these today. Someone maybe cuts you off in traffic. Pulls out in front of you, you're not hurt, car's not hurt, everybody's okay, but they pulled out in front of you, then the notion that they would do that just begins to make you frustrated and angry. This is kind of that idea of indignation. I just really am not happy with what you just did to me. But then we have wrath, a burning anger, a form of anger that usually brings with it a desire to do something, to avenge what's been wrong. So now the person that, that's pulled over in front of you, that's, that's really kind of, I've stewed on that for a little bit now, and I'm, I'm starting to hope that something bad might happen to them. At the very least, I hope a police officer sees them and they write them a ticket a mile long. They're going to take the rest of their life to pay this thing off. But maybe worse than that, we begin to think, I just wish they'd fall over in a ditch somewhere and they would wreck driving so, so irresponsibly. Then that might lead to fury. Fury, very fiery anger where, where we begin to, to elevate things to the next level and we're not thinking clearly. Maybe we're driving behind this person we decide, you know what, I'm just going to get right on their bumper. They wanted to pull out in front of me. I'm going to tailgate them and get as close as I can. Or, or maybe, if you've ever seen this, they, I'm going to pull over in front of them and then I'm going to slam on my brakes, kind of brake check them, give them a little bit of a scare too. Make them feel like I feel. That's approaching on fury. And then the last one. The one that we hear about the most, the one that makes the news, rage. Especially when it comes to the road. We know it's called road rage. It's a blazing anger where we've just we've gone beyond stewing over this and contemplating things and maybe even taking action. Now we're out of control. We've gone to the extreme. And how many times have people lost their lives because they have been consumed by rage? Hope, knowing this maybe can help us to see some things about anger. There's different levels of it, and it can help us to watch out for it and aspects of it in our lives. Now, one of the things that I think about with a fire is one of the most successful ways to defend yourself from it. If you remember from school, what was it that Smokey the Bear always told us? The best way to defend against a fire is to, is to not have one start at the beginning. Only you can prevent forest fires. Riders over here shaking his shit. I don't know who Smokey the Bear is. I'm dating myself, maybe. Um... But we need to see 
that one of the best ways to prevent a forest fire is to try and be proactive and not letting one start. But how many forest fires happen every year at no cause of mankind? Lightning strikes a dead tree. Something sparks uh, some, some dry brush. And next thing you know, the hills are on fire. It's a misconception to think that we can completely prevent every forest fire from ever happening and we're going to just put an end to forest fires. And I want us to also know there's a lot of misconceptions about anger too. A lot of misconceptions that we have about anger. And I want to consider just a few of those. One, and and probably the most common one, is it's sinful to be angry. Sometimes you hear very well-meaning Christians talk about that. They say that anger has no place in the life of a Christian. We are called to practice self-control. If you're practicing self-control, you're not going to be angry. When Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Paul speaks to the Ephesians telling them that it is possible to be angry without sinning. So I want us to think a little bit about how can we do that. I also want us to know that that's keeping with the very nature of God. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 1, when we see in verse 26, God says, uh, let us create man in our image or in our likeness. He says, I'm going to create man and he's going to be like me in some way. And now we know God is spirit. He's not talking about the physical form of man, but the very characteristics of men are are to be in the image of God. And that's how He created us. And so we can learn some things about that when we consider the characteristics of God. In verse 31, verse 31 says, God saw all that He had made, and behold, it was very good. God was able to look at His creation and find the goodness. And there is a sense of joy in God for what He has made in creation. And so we know that one of the characteristics that we are made in the image of God with is joy. In a couple verses over in Genesis chapter 6, doesn't take a very long time in our Bibles to find another emotion of God. Verse 5 says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and was grieved in his heart. And so again, we, we find another characteristics of God that we are made in His image and we are made with these, these uh, characteristics as well. Joy and sorrow. Things that we can feel that God also feels. But in Exodus chapter 4, I want you to think about this. Moses has been told by God, I want you to go and I want you to speak to, to Pharaoh. And Moses said, well, God, you know, certainly there's got to be somebody better than me. I'm not a very good speaker. And, and, and you know, who am I, God, that you should send me? And verse 14 says, The anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron? And he gives him Aaron to to be his mouthpiece. But you see that that God was angry. If it is a sin for us to be angry, to, to have anger in our lives, God has anger in His life. It is possible to be angry and not sin, and to share in the characteristics and the likeness of God that we were made in. So that brings up the question then, how come so many times when I get angry, do I feel guilty? Why do I feel guilty when I get angry? Well, let's examine then what the purpose of anger is. We should view anger as a signal that something's wrong. You ever been driving down the road and you get that little yellow light, looks like like an engine kind of or a transmission, it flashes on, you get a little ding, and you know it's time to turn the radio up a little bit louder, right? It's time to just put a piece of tape over that so I don't see that. You know there's something wrong. And there's something that should be a signal to me that I need to take some actions. Usually, it would cause us to, to stop, to pull over, maybe to a parts house or, or you know, advanced auto or O'Reilly's, and we'll say, let's examine what's going on here. They've got a special tool, we'll plug in, find out why that's lights on, and then we're going to take action. 
Can we, can we fix that ourselves? That just mean I need to go out and tighten my gas cap up? Or does that mean there's something a little bit more involved? I need to get a mechanic involved here. There's intention there between that, that warning light to say you need to stop and examine things and possibly need to take action. Anger is very similar to that. And we can be angry and not sin only when our anger is likened to that of the anger of God or of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 3, we get a very clear picture of that. In Mark chapter 3, this man comes to Jesus, and this is on the Sabbath day, and everyone is watching Jesus see what is he going to do. It's the Sabbath day, we know this man has a problem, and, and let's just see what is he possibly going to do, because they had hopes to try and trap him. And so starting in verse 3, he said to the man with the withered hand, Mark 3 verse 3, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. And we see that the Pharisees intended after this to, to destroy him. But we see God, we see Christ reflecting the anger of God. Why? Because of these Pharisees were just a bunch of people that he didn't get along with? No. Because their hearts were hard. He grieved at the sin of these people, which provoked him to anger, which provoked response in his life. When he saw their sin, his anger was directed towards them and towards the sin they were, they were committing. And this is very similar to the characteristics of God as he grieved with the hardness of the Pharisees' fathers of the hearts of the Pharisees' fathers when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. He grieved over the hardness of their hearts. We feel anger towards a person. We feel anger towards somebody. It is possible that we can feel guilty from that and should feel guilty. But when that anger is prompted because of sin in their life, and it is prompted, prompting us to, to grieve and prompting us to long for their salvation, long for them to make the changes necessary to, to stand before God justified in Christ, then the mind of Christ Himself is motivating us and, and, and should be leading us to take action on that anger. So we know anger, we, we know what it is. And we know there's plenty of misconceptions, but I want us to consider just for a quick moment some of the sources, some of the things that cause us anger. This can help us to determine why we're angry and what we need to do with it. There are three things that are common when it comes to a fire for it to burn. You need fuel, you need oxygen, you need, you need heat or spark, something, something to ignite it. And you take one of those three things away and oftentimes the fire starves itself out. Well, there are things that are needed for anger to exist in our lives as well. There are sources for them. One of those is hurt feelings, wounded, uh, being wounded whether emotionally or even, even physically. We have this desire for, for love and we have a desire to be accepted. And whenever we are rejected, whenever we experience emotional pain, Anger oftentimes is what is produced by that. And it becomes that protective wall that I'm just going to push everybody else away from me because I don't want to feel hurt anymore. I don't want these feelings. And so I'm going to push people and I'm going to push pain all the way. And that, that protective barrier oftentimes makes itself up in anger. Another thing is injustice. Whenever I feel like my rights have been violated, because we do have this, this sort of inner code, and that when somebody breaks that code towards us, or maybe towards someone that we love, a family member, a friend, when that code has been violated, oftentimes that can cause us to feel very angry. Fear. Fear brings about anger. Whenever our future is threatened, 
It's a powerful motivator. And oftentimes, when we begin to feel worried or angered or even threatened because of a change in our circumstance, changes around us are happening and it's provoking response in us, it's not on too often that that is happening because we're responding to fear. This is the one for me. Frustration. I get angry because of frustration when I feel like my attempts have failed. Because every one of us wants to feel significant. We want to feel like we matter. I want to feel significant and like I matter. And so whenever we, maybe we, we make plans. Maybe we make plans with our friends or our family and, 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 and we put a lot of effort into that. Or we're trying to, you know, maybe we've got a project that we're working on and that's where all of our focus is on this. And for some reason, our plans fall through. Maybe everybody around us says, nah, that doesn't sound like fun. I don't want to do that. They complain about it. Or maybe we all try it and just nobody has a good time and everybody wishes they weren't there. And you begin to feel about this big and you begin to feel like everybody else thinks you're about that big. And you realize I'm slipping down a notch, at least in my own eyes, as far as value. And it's not uncommon for that to respond or to produce in us an anger towards others. And when we understand that these are the sources of anger, and these are the ways that, that, that anger might be produced in our lives, it can better help us to respond to anger. And I'm going to give you a bad response. A bad response is based on how I feel, I believe I have a right to be angry. These are my disappointments. I will stay angry as long as I feel like it, and I will express my anger in whatever way makes me feel better. I have a right to be angry. Everybody just needs to understand, I've been hurt, I've been treated wrong, I'm the one that's been violated, I have a right to be angry, and you're just going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to deal with the way that I respond to it. This response, it doesn't allow for the teachings that, some of the teachings we've already seen to be followed. It doesn't allow for us to, to focus our anger into something constructive and something to, to help the, uh, others deal with, with sin in their life. It also does allow for anger just to grow. It allows for it to fester and to, to spread and, and consume our lives. There is a right response to anger. And I want us to consider some words that we already read this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we read these as we were considering ways to deal with suffering. This is also a great way to deal with anger. 1 Peter 1 verse 6 says, "...in this you greatly rejoice." even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what are you saying? You're saying that when I'm angry, I'm supposed to just be glad? That doesn't seem to be a very good solution to my anger. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that whenever I feel anger in my life, a good response to that might be to remember that Jesus is my Lord and I trust in Him with my life. He is my Savior. He is my King. And I've submitted myself to Him. I've given Him rights to my life. And I'm going to take the disappointments. I'm going to take the hardships. I'm going to take all the trials. I'm going to take the things that make me angry and I'm going to give them to Him. And I'm going to use those as an opportunity that His grace and His mercy and His power can be seen through me. That is a better response to anger than just saying, everybody's going to have to deal with how I respond to this. Rather, looking at my anger and saying, okay, I'm not very happy right now. I don't have to be happy right now. But I do have to try and find a way to show the glory of God through this. How can I do that? 
How can I help others see Christ even in a time right now where I feel pretty cheated, pretty wronged? We do that by resolving our anger. Unresolved anger is destructive. Unresolved anger destroys our relationship with God. It destroys our relationship with others. But it also robs us. I don't think we ever really, we don't really realize that. That when we have unresolved anger, it's actively taking something away from us. It's taking away peace. It's taking away contentment. Things that God promised to give us. And we're allowing Satan to steal those away because of our anger. So how do we do that? How do we resolve our anger? I think a lot of times people are confused with how to do this because we have allowed uh, ourselves to, instead of resolving, instead of seeking resolution, to rather just look at suppression. I'll I'll just bottle it up and push it way, way down. I'll bottle it up. I'll just swallow it. I'll just take it. Uh, you know, you can just go ahead and hit me right on the chin and I'm going to bottle that up and I'm going to push it down. And, and the only thing that's going to do is allow it to set and to grow and, uh, and to cause physical problems. That's just going to cause all sorts of issues in our life. We don't need to, we don't need to suppress these things. We need to find a way to do something with our anger that is constructive, that is helpful. We need to release it in a manner that helps others to see God. And so one thing that we can do in releasing our anger is number one, acknowledge, I'm angry. Don't hide it. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, it says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. We need to be willing to just come out and admit, I am angry. And I love what the proverb writer says in Proverbs 21.2. He says, Every man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Now, if the Lord is weighing the heart, maybe it would be good for me to go to Him in prayer and say, Help me to find that anger. And maybe I've been pushing down. How many people I've met that something happened in their past and, and they are responding to that in anger. And at this point, they don't even, they don't even remember that they're angry. They just know this is, I'm not happy. There's no peace. There, there, these, these relationships that I have are destroyed. And, and I don't even know why. And it all stems back from anger that has just been bottled up and shoved down. So maybe we go to God in prayer and say, I, you, you, you weigh the heart. I can't hide it from you. Please reveal it to me and help me to deal with it in a responsible manner. And be ready to take responsibility. Especially if that anger inside of us has provoked us to sin. If we have not handled it appropriately, we need to be willing to take responsibility for that. To admit, yes, I am angry. Admit, yes, I haven't handled this very well. We noted before, it is possible to be angry without sinning. But that means that we have to make sure our anger is pointed in the right direction. If we're angry just because things didn't go our way, if we're angry just because we had some sort of expectation and, 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 and everything is pointed towards that, we might want to be very careful about, uh, uh, about how we've handled ourselves. But if our anger is pointed towards sin in an individual's life, hopefully we can allow that anger to work within us to amend relationships and try to stand ready to, to show the love of God. We need to acknowledge, I am anger. We need to also acknowledge and assess, what's the source of my anger? Where's this coming from? Why do I feel this way? Do I feel hurt? Has somebody rejected me? Has somebody ignored me, let me feel unloved? Have I been cheated in some way? And do I feel there's been an injustice against me? Maybe I've even been attacked 
And it's wrong what people have done to me. Am I filled with fear? Do I feel like I've been threatened and I'm out of control and things are powerless to be changed? Or do I just feel frustrated? Do I feel inadequate? And do I feel hindered and, and, and controlled? Once we realize what the source of our anger is, then I would suggest it's a good time to go back to the Proverbs and start appraising the way that we think. Proverbs 21-29 says, A wicked man displays a bold face, but as for the upright, he makes his way sure. Making your way sure. It involves asking, why am I on this way to begin with? If I'm sure about my way, I've done some thinking about it. So maybe when it comes to our, angry, to our anger, why am I anger? What's caused me to be here? And I need to think about the way that I'm even thinking. It's possible that I've spent entirely too much time expecting others to meet my standards. You know, we can find this sometimes when a, when a fight breaks out between a, a couple. Maybe, maybe the husband gets home and he's mad and he says things like, you know, she, my wife, she should have just had, she should have had dinner waiting for me. That's what I was expecting. I got home, it wasn't there, and, and I just it, it's made me feel like I'm not important to her, and I'm not valuable, and I'm angry now. And I, she should have done that. Or maybe she's sitting home thinking, you know, he, he didn't even see all the things that I have done for him throughout the day. He ought to notice more what I do. He ought to notice me more. You know, it's important for us to evaluate our thinking when it comes to our anger. Maybe we're guilty of distorting the things going on around us and have distorted thinking. If we make very generalized comments like, you always say that I'm wrong. You always say, no matter what I say, you say, or you never have anything nice to say to me. We use words like that, always, never, to describe people. Maybe we're being just a little bit too general with our thoughts. Or maybe we assume the worst of them. Maybe our thoughts are that, you know what, this, this is never going to change. He or she's never going to listen to me. They're never going to have a different attitude or a different thought. And, and all of this just builds up and builds up. And now I'm angry. And yes, we can even exaggerate the situation. I don't know how many times somebody's cut me off in traffic and oh boy, I get and I feel it. I start getting angry. Here it comes. And I'm ready to start speeding up, try to catch up with them. And you know, I, I start thinking about it and I go, they didn't put me in danger. In fact, I'm not even sure if it qualifies that they cut me off. They pulled out in front of me, but there was a pretty good distance away. I had time to slow down. Why am I really mad? Because I'm not in first place anymore. There's somebody in front of me, and I have to follow their speed. You know, sometimes we exaggerate things in our heads and make it, oh, it was almost the worst pile up there ever was, and it really wasn't that bad. We need to really think about our, uh, the way that we think. Why am I angry? It's also good for us to think about our needs and admit that we, we do have needs. Are we using our anger? Maybe we have anger because we feel like somebody doesn't give us the love that we deserve. And so we're using our anger to try to manipulate them. I'm going to get that love in some way. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to get mad and I'm going to throw a temper tantrum until you give me what you want, what I, what I want. Maybe we're trying to make ourselves feel more significant. Or maybe we're trying to make other people feel less secure so that we can feel like we have more of the security. If we're trying to use anger to meet our needs, possibly it'd be a good time for us to turn over to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. In Philippians 4.19, Paul speaking about Christ and about everything that Christ is able to do and that we are able to do in Christ. But listen to what he says 
in verse 19. He says, My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, if I'm turning to everybody else to meet all the needs that I have, should I be surprised when mankind falls short? Should I be surprised when people aren't able to meet all of my needs? And if that is met with anger, it's possible that I've just been looking in the wrong place to have my needs met. And I do look to the world to have my needs met. As a, as, as a man, as a husband, I look to my wife. I look to my children. I look to you all. I look to the world to, to meet some of the needs that I have. But when those fall short, and they fall short, we all fall short in meeting one another's needs and meeting the expectations that we've set on each other. When that happens, do I realize that there is a God that is able to meet all of my needs? And that's the one that I truly rely upon. Or do I immediately switch over to my default? I'm not getting what I want. I am getting angry. We need to know that only Christ can fully meet all of our needs. And having known that, it helps us then to begin abandoning our demands. Instead of looking to everyone else, we need to turn to the Lord. I want you to think of some things that God says. In Jeremiah 31, verse 3, He speaks to His people. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Even when I want to feel more love from those around me, when I feel like I'm not getting the love that I really need, I take comfort in the fact that God loves me unconditionally. It draws to mind what we talked about this morning in Romans 8. There is not a thing on earth that can separate me from God's love for me. His love is there. His love encapsulates and protects, even though there are so many things that can take it away from us when it comes to these personal relationships that we have. Uh, also, you think of Psalm 118 in verse 6. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? It is not uncommon for me to feel insecure with my relationships with others. It's not uncommon for me to begin to feel like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm really not uh, as significant as I thought I was. And I, maybe those relationships aren't as strong as I thought they were. And that can be difficult and that can be hard, but I can also know my relationship with Christ is where my true security lies. Even if all these other relationships, maybe they're great as can be, but the fact is that life comes to an end. And those relationships may one day be gone. But my relationship with Christ can stand. And even though there are many times when people in this world don't meet the needs that we have, again, we can know that truly Christ meets all our needs. In 2 Peter 1, Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power is granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and own excellence. There are so many times when I have a relationship with someone in this world and they provide something really good. They provide something that I really needed. But I know that they're not going to be able to, reply, to give me to, to supply everything that I need. Peter says God has done that. God has supplied everything to meet our true needs. So finally, in all this, when we've acknowledged our, that we are angry, we have assessed the source, we've appraised our thinking, admitted that we have needs, and we've abandoned our demands, it's time to start addressing our anger. It's time to ask ourselves, am I really justified in being this angry? Am I really justified in having this emotion? Maybe, maybe I'm angry because I'm just not spending enough time with God. 
Maybe I'm angry because I have really let myself get taken away from the presence of God and from all the things that He provides, and I need to spend a little bit more time with Him. Maybe I am justified, though. Maybe I deserve to be angry right now because things that are happening are wrong. So what's my response? What do I do? It's important for us to really ask that question. Would it be good, would purpose be served if I bring this up? How many times I've been angered and the best response, even though I'm angry, is to just bite my tongue. Is to just sit back and say, you know who needs to take this? This needs to be taken to God. This needs to be given to Him. And instead, in this time, I'm going to ask myself, what's going to build this relationship up? What's going to impart grace to the hearer? I'll tell God and I'll do my best to just love like Christ loved. It involves asking ourselves questions like, do I have a heart of forgiveness? It involves trying to remove attacking statements like, how could you do this? Why would you do that? And instead, instead it involves telling us to try and just, if we are going to go to this person, go to him and say, this is how I feel. This is what has happened. And I want you to know. And I'm not going to bring up my past grievances. If something is wrong today, we're going to talk about what's wrong today. And we're going to leave out yesterday and we're going to leave out tomorrow. Confession time, that is hard for me. (laughs) It's hard for me to do. I want to bring up every time somebody's ever hurt me whenever I go to talk to them about it. That's not how we do that. We go to them and say, this is what we're dealing with. This is my anger. And we don't expect instant responses. I think that is so oftentimes we go, okay, I've prayed about it. I've gave it to God. I do need to respond. I need to say something. I'm going to go to my brother. I'm going to go to my sister. I'm going to tell them I'm angry. I'm going to tell them how this, this is, has made me feel. And, and I would love for us to sit down and talk and change this. And they go, I don't feel that same way. <laughs> and now we jump straight to rage. Things didn't work. And so now I've got to make it work. Don't expect instant gratification. Expect to be challenged to patience. Continue to be gentle in our response. And above all else, demonstrate the grace of God. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, keep these verses in the back of our minds when we deal with our anger and we go to those who might have hurt us in some way. Keep in the back of our minds that I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. And what does that mean? That means that I'm going to place myself on the cross with Christ. And that also includes my anger. I'm going to put that on there. And even though I may feel angry, I'm not going to allow that to control me. That's something we're trying to teach our children right now. A lot of these emotions that you have are not wrong but allowing those emotions to control you and dictate who you are is. It is Christ who lives in me. And so if it is Christ living in me, I will show Christ's forgiveness through my anger. I will show Christ's love through my anger. I'm reminded of a quote that I read by Aristotle who said, anger, uh, anybody can be angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right decree, and at the right time, and for the right purpose, and in the right way, that's not within everybody's power. 
and is not easy. I agree with Aristotle, that is not easy. But it is certainly within your power to be angry and not sin. Remembering that God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Are we to be in self-control? Yes. Does that mean that we don't have anger? No, that means that we know how to deal with our anger. And we know how to handle it properly in Christ. Let's use that spirit to analyze our anger and respond accordingly. This afternoon... This afternoon we've talked about how to deal with anger. And I want us to know that God has not destined us to His wrath. He hasn't destined us to anger. But for those who have obtained salvation through Jesus Christ, they will be spared that. But those who have not, that is exactly what they can expect to find. The wrath of a just and fair God. But fact is, Christ died for us that we can be spared from that. That we can live with Him, not in the anger of God, but the eternal love of the Father, free from all the things that cause anger and wrath. And what our desire is today is simply this. We want to assist you in coming to know God in that way, in coming to serve Him in a way that you can share in that future home in heaven with His saints. If we can help you in some way to do that, won't you please come forward and let it be known right now as we stand and sing.